I'm not the the best preacher out there. I mean, I just this is what you get, right? I mean, but I'm I feel like I'm I'm faithful. I love you guys. I mean, I just I care deeply for all of you. And then and sometimes though, it's just not reciprocated. And I hate to do this now, but I'm going to. I'm trying to stay away from the camera because I don't want this out on the World Wide Web. But I'm going to show you something. And I'm, I'm going to step up here so you can get a good look at this. I was, I was gifted something special last Sunday. A, a, a young man who I thought was kind and nice says, Hey, I have something for you and I, I, I want to give these to you. Uh, during life groups, a time in which you know we go to honor and praise God and do those types of things, and and he says, "I got these for you. There's some socks, and so I just I want to show you the socks that he got for me. This is what I get. These, this is what I get for ten years of hard work to this church. This is what I get, and so I just want you to know. Which, by the way." If you wonder why I have such thick masculine legs, the trick is double socks. If you wear two socks, that's why they look so humongous. And so I want to read something before we go in. It comes from 2 Kings chapter 2. It says, From there Elisha went up to Bethel, and as he was walking along the road, some boys came out of the town and jeered him. Get out of here, Baldy! Get out of here, they said. He turned around, looked at them, and he called... That You're not making eye contact with me, Caden. And he called out a curse on them in the name of the Lord. Two bears came out of the woods and mauled the 42 of the boys. And then he went on to Mount Carmel and from there returned to Samaria. The word of the Lord. <laughs> so, Caden, I'm just going to say this. If I were you, I'd stay away from the trees. Don't go near the woods. Now, we don't have bears, but I have, I have prayed to the Lord. And I don't know if there's going to be like an angry little, what are those things they have out by USW? Those little ground ferrets, the groundhog, they are going to come and nip at your ankles. And you will know that it's from that is from the Lord himself. So I just had to share that with you. I hope none of that made it on, uh, because if it did, uh, that will be called Exhibit A when I am fired and no one else will hire me. Uh, last week, our prepositional statement was God is behind and God is under. Uh, and as it turned out last week, we really only got to unpack the idea that God is behind. But just uh, to put everybody else on the spot, since I'm feeling a little antsy here with my chicken legs, what did we actually discover from the preposition that God is behind? What does that mean? That he, he's backing us up? That, that Bessie, he, he, has, uh, he has our back? Uh, as as the, the NIV would say, that he is our rear guard, that he, he is protecting us. And so that's kind of what we talked a little bit about. That So if we believe that God has our back, what should that mean? If, if God is protecting us, that we can keep looking forward. That's right. Which means that we don't need to be afraid. If God has our back, we shouldn't be afraid. And if we're not afraid, what does that mean? 
and that we live bold and courageous lives in the way that we act, in the way that we live, in the way that we speak, we should know that God is covering us. And we should live with a a sense of urgency and purpose. Now this week what I want to discuss in greater detail is the fact that God is, is under. But before we do any of that, let's just continue our week long, month long, life long prayer. And let's bow to God. Father God, I just, I thank you for being such a good God. And we love you. And thank you so much for being a God who who protects us and who is our rear guard. And Lord, as we discuss the idea of you being under us, Lord, I just, I pray that, that it will also give us hope and it will transform the way we live our lives. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Okay, so. Um, Let's just kind of talk about this. What does it mean if God is under? I know that kind of, it should kind of bother you a little bit because that seems like that's a a low position. But, But stick with me here. What do you think it means if I say God is under? He's our foundation. Okay, so what is it, how important is the the foundation? It's everything. If you don't have that, you you literally have nothing. Everything that you put on top of a poor foundation will, in, in the famous words of the, the VBS song, it will go crash, right? And so he is under us, he's holding us, he's carrying us, and he's guiding us. I came across a, a cartoon several years ago, and I just love it. Uh, Ryan, are you back there? Will you, you put this up on the the screen it says my child I never left you those places with the footprints that's when I carried you and that long groove over there is when I dragged you for a while (laughs) I mean that just I mean doesn't that apply sometimes we're walking in sometimes it's like you know he's just gonna just come on let's go we're you know don't don't give up when we don't even feel like we if you'll go backwards one slide because I realized I didn't put a blank slide in there because I've I've one more hopefully we'll get to in just a little bit um, but, but God is, is, is under us, he's carrying us, he's dragging us at some times. So let me ask you this, how do you know if or when God is carrying you? Okay, he, he carries you when you least expect it. How do you know if God is carrying you? How do you know when God is carrying you? Okay, when you feel like you can't go on, that's that's when you know that he's carrying you. Okay, Kara? Okay, even in tough times, he's working for the good. I, I heard somebody speak over here. Okay, when you're afraid, that's when you know that God is carrying you. Okay, so this this is a hard question. And it's not easy to answer because I want to suggest that that maybe it's not easy to know when God is carrying you. Okay, so let's kind of look at this from a a, a biblical perspective. What are some examples biblically where we can look and God carried 
his people or individuals. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and not grow faint. So yeah, God is carrying them. When, when does it seem like God is carrying them? When do you end up on the wings of eagles? When you can't walk and you think you're going to faint. So I'll, I'll only reference this because I know every time I say this name, it gets me into a lot of trouble on Monday morning from my nice, kind co-worker who um, taunts me all the time. Um, Jonah was in a stinky, cramped, constantly moving whale. Like, I don't know why, but anytime we see a cartoon of Jonah, he's like literally like sitting at a chair and there's a table in front of him and there's a little candlestick and he's in this spacious room. Like, and I know whales are big, but I don't know that they just have like a place where a table uh, can, can sit. I just, just for a second, I want you to think about it. He's around a lot of, of fish that have been swallowed up and are now being digested. Okay, so there is an acid, there is a stench, there is rotting fish around him. I don't believe that he's walking around. I, I don't know the anatomy, but I, I get the sense that he is probably somewhat in the fetal position, constantly being nauseated. And if the stench doesn't get to you, if the slime and the acid doesn't get to you the fact that that whale is moving it's swimming it's going up and down and moving around I mean this would be and he was in there this was not like I've been on those I, I rode the zipper at the state fair it was the longest 40 seconds of my life I could not wait to get off that thing Jonah is in there for three days nauseated right and I think you could look at that and, and step back because we're not in the well. We can't smell it. We're not going up and down and puking. And we can say, oh, God has got him. In fact, I mean, even though it seems like that's a, a terrible place to live for three days, if he hadn't gotten in that well, he's dead. That was his, his saving grace was a well. How did Joseph get to Egypt? Through the pit. Now I want to talk about this for just a second. Because I, I think we forget that Joseph was not where he needed to be. I love our conversations uh, in the office time. We talk about all sorts of things. But Bob and I had a conversation a, a, couple, uh, it was a couple weeks ago. And we were talking about, you know... Why, why, did, why did Joseph get to Egypt the way that he did? I mean, there's got to be an easier route. And I think one of the things is, is that while Joseph, while, while he was with his family, he was physically in the wrong place. But I think mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, he had to do some moving as well. And let's just call it what it is. Joseph was an arrogant brat. That's what I think he really was. 
I mean, you go back and look. He has these dreams about what he's going to be and how great he is. That's one thing to have those dreams. He didn't make those dreams. He was given those dreams. It was another thing to go around and brag about it. So much so that his brothers hated him. And even his dad was like, hey, you probably shouldn't be sharing those dreams. Like, keep them to yourself, kid. But he was not the only child, but he might as well have been because he was the favorite child. So you just think about all of that. Joseph is going to do one of the most amazing things towards the end of his life. And he is going to offer forgiveness to his brothers who wanted to kill him, but decided to sell him into slavery and they faked his death. He had lots and lots of time to think about how he could get back at them. And I suspect that in those early times, what he wanted to do is not what he ended up doing in the end. God was under him when he was in prison, when he was in the well. Right, And so I think it's important for us to remember that, that God can take us to some pretty, pretty rough places. How about these guys? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Was God under them? Was he carrying them? When does God reveal himself to them as, I'm going to deliver you from this fire? At what point do we know that God's like, by the way, I'm here to save you. God does not show up when they get arrested. God's not there. God could have sent somebody and said, you know what? You're not going to arrest these guys. The, 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 the soldiers could have showed up and said, we're going to arrest these guys. And, you know, God could have sent an angel. These aren't the people you're looking for. Right? Like, this isn't them. Right? But he doesn't. They're going to have a chance to say, we don't believe in God. God could have come at that point and said, no, 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 you can't have these guys. I'm the judge. You're not the judge. They're, nothing's going to happen. God didn't reveal himself then. When the guys who open up the furnace that is now so hot that it kills them, God doesn't say, I'm shutting off the fire. When does God carry them? As they are in the fire, in the furnace. Not before then. They don't know that God's going to save them. In fact, they actually say it. You know, we know that God can save us. But if he doesn't, we're still not going to worship your idol. We're still not going to bow down. They don't know for sure that God is going to carry them through. They just know that they're going to stick with him no matter what. Where do we find evidence that God was holding up the Apostle Paul? How about when the ship is going down? Literally, the ship is going down. Acts chapter 27, uh, he is uh, a prisoner. Uh, and he's headed off to Rome to stand on trial. He's ready to go there. They get on a ship. They start going a little ways. And it's getting close to winter time. And he, he says to the soldier, we don't need to go any further. If we do, really bad things are going to happen. The, the owner and, and the, uh, um, I can't think of the word, the captain of the ship, 
they come together and they say, no, 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 we're going to keep on going. And so the majority, which just reminds us all that majority is not always the wisest uh, group to follow, but the majority says, let's keep on going. So listen to this. Before very long, a wind of a hurricane force called a northeaster swept down from the island. We took such a violent battering from the storm that on the next day, they began to throw cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. This is from Acts. Okay, who wrote this? Who wrote Acts? Luke wrote Acts. Do you, did you catch the pronoun that he used? We. We finally gave up all hope of being saved. Is God under them? Is God carrying them? Are you, where is proof of this? Where is proof that God is carrying them? They're still alive? So, I, so is, is everybody okay with that answer? How do you know that, that God is carrying you? You're still alive? I just, I, I want to share that then. All of you, no matter how bad it gets, as long as you're breathing, God is carrying you. Listen, I, it's, I can say this when things are going great. But, I, I mean, I can have something as small as a stubbed little pinky toe. And I can be like, oh, this is terrible. Why did this happen? Have you ever gotten sick and you thought, I'm never going to be well again? Like this is, I will never be able to breathe again. Right? Paul, everything, like you say, oh, God is with him. But, but there's no proof of that. How do we know that God is holding up the apostle Paul? How about this? How about he blinds him? This is going back a little earlier. Can you imagine the conversation? You ask God to guide you. And this is God's response. Okay, I will. But first, I'm going to blind you. And then I'm going to take your position, your friends, your job, the respect of your peers, your ability to live without constantly being threatened by people who will hate you. You will be single, you will be wanted, you will be persecuted, and you will be constantly on the run. The only money you have is what you will earn from making tents, and that will only be enough for you to live a homeless, nomadic life. You will be beaten, betrayed, stricken with an agonizing pain, and you will spend the last years of your life locked in a cold, dark prison until you are beheaded. And that's how you know that I'm guiding. Paul says, awesome, where do I sign? And that's how you know that God's under you. But here's an even scarier thought. Sometimes you can't feel, prove, or even sense that God is under you. Okay, so this coming spring, we're going to be looking at a, a couple of ladies from the Old Testament, the stories of both Ruth and Esther. And without giving anything away, Lance... This is one really huge and hidden theme of their two books. 
God is there even when we can't see them, see him. When there is no proof, when there is no blessing, and when there is even no mention of his name, God is there. So let's real quickly go back to Paul and to Acts chapter 16. Now here's what I want you to do. I want you to read this, hear this, like you don't know the ending. Okay? Don't, you don't know the ending. Okay, just, just wipe it clean. Listen to this. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from pre- preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mycenae, they traveled, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mycenae and went down to Troas. And so here we have a map right here. This is a a zoomed-in part. You can see here down at the bottom, Antioch. Uh, This is going to be your your right down here, Antioch. Uh, Remember, uh, in Acts chapter 15, they're in Antioch. Um, They had just gone up to, to Jerusalem because there's some people who came down from Jerusalem and said, hey, here's the deal. If you're not circumcised, you're not saved. Paul says... Uh, Paul and Barnabas say, well, we're, we're going to go. They, they went as delegates, as representatives, up to Jerusalem. They come back to Antioch. Okay, so they're there in Antioch. And Paul says, hey, I want to go visit the churches that I had been to on my previous, what we call his first missionary journey. And Barnabas says, hey, that's great. I'm going to grab John Mark and let's go. And then they had uh, what the NIV translates as a sharp dispute and it was so sharp that they ended up splitting ways right and ultimately Barnabas is going to grab John Mark and they're going to go south by boat to Cyprus Paul is going to grab anybody know starts with an S Silas and they're going to go basically kind of north by land like they, they're going like different directions altogether. I'm making sure it, it matches with, I, I'm getting confused thinking left and right. So they're gonna, one's going to go basically south, Paul is going to go up, they're, they're going to head up north, right? And so you can see where he's coming from, he's coming up over here, and he wants to go over here down into Asia to the southwest, and we don't know how it happens. We don't know exactly what it was, all we know is, is that the Spirit would not allow him, right? He couldn't go down there. Then he wanted to go up to the right. You see Mycenae. He wanted to go back up towards Bithynia. And the Spirit says, no, you're not going to do that either. So we ended up going to Troas. He's still trying to get down. Why is he trying to go down to Asia? What's he want to do when he gets there? He wants to preach. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good thing to want to do, Right? He wants to go preach, and God won't let him get down there. He wants to go to Ephesus, which, side note, you're like, wait, that sounds familiar. That's because ultimately he's going to write a letter to the Ephesians. He's going to spend lots of time in Ephesus, probably more there than anywhere else. But right now, God says, no, you're not going. On the other hand, Bithynia, he never goes to. He never gets to go to. So sometimes God says, nope, that's not going to happen. We're changing direction. Sometimes he just says, well, not right now. But he's there in Troas, and ultimately uh, God is going to send a vision, and he's going to, instead of going down to Asia, down to these areas, some of the wealthier areas, 
he's going to end up going up north to Macedonia. Now, Philippi is, that is a wealthy city. It's a Roman colony. It's where a lot of centurions and soldiers, that they would retire. It, it was a happening place. But there are some other areas up in Macedonia. They're pretty bad. In fact, Paul is going to refer to them in 2 Corinthians. He's going to refer to them as how incredibly poor they are. Paul says, I just want to go preach. I'm going to go down here. There's, there's some people, key influential people that I, I can talk to. This would be a great thing. God says, no, you're not going there. And I just wonder, like, is, as this is happening, remember, we don't know Philippi. He doesn't know he's going there. He's not trying to go there. It's the opposite direction of where he wants to go. And he wants to go down there, and he can't get down there. And I just kind of have a feeling like, if you were to pause it right then, and Paul is Paul, so we kind of know what he's going to say, but, but at least for me, if I say, I want to go here, I want to go here, and I can't go, like, I just want to go there and preach. And God says, no. Is God really under me? Is he really carrying me? I don't know. I don't know that I ever had this thought, but I, I know I wrestled a lot when, when I did not get an opportunity to, to preach where I, I really believed I needed to be. And I was told no. And the whole process was, was really kind of hurtful. And I just remember thinking, like, this, this was, like, was going to work out, and it didn't. Like, is God, under, is he really carrying me? Is he really carrying me? Because this, this is where I, I just want to preach, God. This is what I want to do. I know these people. I've been here for a long time. I love these people. Let me just be here. It's what I wanted. It's what I prayed for. I mean, I spent a lot of time just convincing myself that this is where God wanted me to be. And when God said no, and when D.A., Randy, and Lance took turns peppering me, calling me every day. And then I said, where's Hobbs? And I looked it up on the map. God, God's not under, this is not, he's not carrying me. I didn't get what I wanted to, to get. And so now I'm stuck going to Hobbs. And they're going to be stuck with me. And I'm going to make sure that they pay for it. God is watching us. He's carrying us. He is under. Even, even when we don't fully understand. Even when we don't know. I just want you to know this week that you may feel like you're in a whale. You may feel like you have been betrayed. You may feel blind. You may feel like you're not where God wants you to be. And you, you may have no proof and no sense, no feeling that God is around you or under you. But I just want you to know, that's when God does his best work. I, I don't want to embarrass her, but I'm going to just a little bit. I had a conversation just this morning with, with Amy Hand, and she had something that we've been praying for about, and, and I just... You know, I, I said, I'm, um, have you heard any news? And she, she said, 
says, no, I haven't yet. But she says, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands. And she said, you know what, whenever I try to decide what to do, um, I, don't, I don't do as good of a job as when God does it for me, when he decides. And I just thought, what a great story of faith. Like, that's, that's what I want my story to be. Our, I want our story to be is like, like when times get tough, we just trust God's carrying us. He's under us. And sometimes we're walking and sometimes we're being drugged. But let me tell you this. That says a little bit about us. We have to get drugged. It says a lot more about God who would say, I am going to drag you. I will not leave. That's the God we serve. And this morning, as we stand and sing, it is the God that we worship. Please join me as we stand and song.